So when you think about transformation, transformation is not about getting to somewhere else. It's always a return home back to where we have always been, to who we always were. We've just forgotten. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host, and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Amplify. Today, I chat with my friend, Jake Kaufman. Jake is a personal transformation coach to seven and eight-figure purpose-driven men, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. He supports other conscious entrepreneurs in expanding themselves personally so that they can exponentially grow professionally. Jake has coached hundreds of the top online coaches, consultants, and CEOs to radically transform themselves and unlock their full potential in order to reach the next level of their purpose. His unique approach to high-performance coaching can best be described as the intersection between personal development and business strategy. I think you guys are going to absolutely love this episode. Ah, Can't wait for you to listen. Enjoy. All right. What's up, everybody? I am super, super excited for this conversation that we are about to dive into with my friend Jake here. Jake, thank you so much for joining us today. Lauren, thanks again for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So first things first, some rapid fire. Let's do it. What's something that you're grateful for right now? I'm really grateful for my health overall, Mm. despite this recently fractured wrist. Yes. Yes. What is a guilty pleasure of yours? Oh man. Whether you feel guilty about it or not, right? Because we are all about owning yeah. all of our things. Blackberry chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, specific. Yep. That sounds really great, actually. I'm like, that's delicious. delicious. It's the best flavor. What is a random fact that most people would not know about you? A random fact. I grew up wanting to be a chef and briefly studied culinary arts in Scotland shortly after I graduated from college. Very cool. Now that may answer my next question. If you weren't doing what you do now, which is like the dream and you know, you're creating all your stuff for your sole purpose, like what kind of job or career has always sounded really cool, whether you have qualifications for it or not? I'll be honest, I probably would not be a chef, believe it or not, because I was in that world for a while and realized fairly quickly that I didn't yeah. want to work nights, Just holidays, weekends, yeah. and yep, and exactly. never see my friends and family. It would probably be to be a tour guide, like, and host international trips for people who love going on adventures, who love exploring different countries. So probably some sort of tour guide. I love it. I love it. 
What did you want to be when you were little? Yeah, I wanted to be a chef. Okay. Yep. Any weird talents or special skills? Weird talents or special skills. I can burp the alphabet. I won't do that now. Same. I can do it. <laughs> can you really? That's hilarious. I can burp the alphabet. That is 100% a skill. I mean, this is disgusting, but like I can burp better than all the men in my family. I will challenge you at some point in time. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, maybe not to the challenge. Like I definitely could. Sure. I'm like, <laughs> that's not what we do anyway. No, it's, I mean, sometimes. Right. Anyway, last time that you cried. Yesterday. Yeah. Right. Yesterday. That's usually the answer is like yesterday or today for everybody that's on the show. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. When's the last time that you laughed so hard you almost peed your pants? It was very, very recently. I don't know if you've seen on Instagram this like scare challenge where people will act scared around their partner, around yes. someone else, and that person will mirror them. Yes. Like I watched a mock-up of different videos of people doing that. And I laugh about it now because I was dying, like just dying watching these like full-grown men lose it yeah lose it when their wives were you know pretended that they were scared because they were just mirroring back to them their reaction and I was just losing it yeah those are good I know what you're talking about favorite meal oh man this is tough I'll give you my favorite meal right now so I'm a huge fan of Korean food lived Mm -hmm. in LA for a period of time so of course LA is very famous for Korean food, but recently made Korean beef stew. Mm. Just the umami of the broth, making the broth with soy sauce, gochujang. It's delicious. That sounds so good. See, the interesting thing about that is, I think it was a Friday, I got some like Korean barbecue and it was so good. I was like, and I've been craving even more of it. And you just said that. I was like, I'm like already like mouth watering and I'm like, I haven't eaten anything yet today. So I'm like, Sounds so good. That's what I'm gonna have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With a soft boiled egg placed yes. on top and some kimchi. Yes. Yep. Done. That's dinner. We yep. have decided it. Thank you. You're welcome. Where's the next place that you want to travel? So there is this island off of the Yucatan in Mexico called Hobush. Okay. It's one of the best places in the world to dive with whale sharks, and. I'm also looking for the unpopular spot that people aren't going to, but that's kind of flying under the radar. Mm -hmm. And when I went to Tulum with my girlfriend a few years back, we met several people in Tulum where they were like, Tulum's great, but Holbush is where you want to go. That's the place. There's no cars on the island. You have to take a ferry to get there, but world-class beaches and one of the best places in the world to dive with whale sharks. So cool. And very few people know about it because they know yeah. Playa del Carmen, they know Cancun, they know Tulum. So whole bush flies under the radar. And because there's no cars, it makes it virtually impossible for these large scale resorts to build there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yep. Do you have plans to go there? We did. I can't make this up. We did. We were supposed to go in March this month, earlier this month, like three weeks ago. And the hotel that we had reservations at for six, seven months, it burned down. Oh, no. Yeah, it was the top rated hotel on the island in terms of reviews, ratings, and it burned down. And so we didn't get to go. And so we're just going to have to reschedule. 
Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow. So I don't know what that's a sign of, but yeah, yeah. You're like noted. <laughs> stay at home. Stay yeah. at home. You're exactly. not meant to go anywhere right now. Exactly. All right. Okay. That's all of our rapid fire. Now we're going to get into the into the juicy stuff. So you are an expert at like coaching men, working with men, and a lot on emotional intelligence, on mindset, on self-worth, all of that kind of stuff. You have a new book coming out in like not even that long. So pre-sale starts April 3rd, official launch April 24th. So all coming up. So everybody, you know, of course, we'll put all the links and everything like that. But I would love to hear like one. So your new book, Let Love In, like, why'd you decide to write it? Really good question. So I'm a huge proponent that we shouldn't chase after success. Success should simply ensue and be this free organic response by virtue of us doing what is most natural and authentic to us. Mm, I love that. And so in early 2019, I had been in the personal development space for roughly four years at that point, had gone through many coaching programs. You and I have gone through similar programs had gone through therapy and worked through a lot of my historical wounds going back to childhood, growing up, in and on into adulthood, and felt in a really comfortable place to share more or less what I would consider to be my biggest, deepest, darkest secret, which was the fact that I had been sexually abused at Christian summer camp when I was right around 12 or 13 years old, Mm -hmm. and had completely dissociated and suppressed that event. and didn't address it, didn't acknowledge it until I was around 27, 28 years old. So roughly 15 years after it initially happened, Mm -hmm. which kind of springboarded me into personal development and therapy and self-growth to begin with. So four years down the road, I felt really comfortable sharing about my experience because I knew, especially in my work with my clients, that so many people had been through something similar or experienced something similar. I think they say one in three women will at some point in time in their lifetime experience some type of sexual abuse or sexual assault. For men, it's one in six. But honestly, I can tell you that in my work with men, it's probably roughly the same. It's just that men are less prone to share about it. Yeah. Even anonymously, I would guess. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wanted to do it in an effort to inspire others to talk about and share their story, even if it was just with a therapist, not necessarily to communicate it on social media or post about it publicly, but to inspire them to step into their own work and what was possible for them, right? Be the example of what was possible for them when they broke through the pain from the past so that they could start living a more purposeful life. And when I shared it on social media, this was completely unexpected, but my entire nervous system collapsed. And I suffered what is clinically referred to as an acute nervous system breakdown. Simply put, I had a massive panic attack on steroids Mm -hmm. and started to experience them regularly as Mm -hmm. a result. And as you can probably imagine, because after the abuse, I essentially unconsciously started to wear a mask or adopt this persona to keep everyone at arm's length. So I started acting as if I was fine that I had everything together, that I was successful, even acting as if I was being vulnerable when really I was just acting. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm comfortable with vulnerability up until here, but like real vulnerability is stepping out of your comfort zone and that's over here. But I know it looks like vulnerability. So I'll go to here. Yep. Totally. Yep. And again, all of this was 
an unconscious reaction or adaptation to pain, which is super common when we're talking about any level of trauma, even if it's just emotional trauma, which all of us have been through on some level. And when I shared my story on social media, all of a sudden that mask, that security blanket was ripped away. So all of a sudden, the amount of input or connection that this mask protected me from to a certain degree was no longer there to protect me. And I was completely exposed. And my reticular activating system and my brain that is meant to kind of filter the amount of input that we experience at any given point in time, simply, it was just too much, too soon, too fast in terms of input and stimulation. And that's what ultimately caused this panic attack and sent me down this road uh, to go deeper into my own healing journey and really just ripped back the next layer of my personal development. And so I started journaling as a result at the encouragement of my therapist who said it would really be good for you to process through this as Mm -hmm. things are coming up in between our phone calls. And so as I was starting to do that, I was like, I think this could be a book. Like I think people could really benefit from hearing how like the process that I'm going through, how I'm processing through this pain and what is coming up for me and essentially taking the same steps that I am in terms of healing and and breaking free from these shackles that we again unconsciously recycle so that we don't continue to recycle the pain of the past right? And bring it into the present moment, but we detach emotion from experience and we're able to simultaneously move forward into more purposeful living, which is when we start to attract greater abundance, opportunity, love in relationship, et cetera. Yeah. Amazing. What was the process like writing the book? Cause I can imagine, I mean, I relate to a lot of what you said in the sense of like, and my audience knows this, but like can relate to the hypermasculinity stuff, which we will talk about mm-hmm. having been so stuck in my masculine energy and like, so attached to like what I was doing, succeeding, achieving, performing all of that, yep. but can also relate to like my own sexual assault experience when I was 16 years old, that I didn't even cry about it until I was 30. Like I was yep. like, we're going to package this up so tightly and tuck it away mm-hmm. back there. Yep. And like, Period. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. See, I've never cried about it, but I also have never uttered a word about it to anybody, right? Like, you know, or even used that word because it was Mm -hmm. my fault. I could have prevented that, right? And so totally. once I started actually sharing about it, right? Like, and you open that up and you're like, oh, there's actually a lot of healing to do here. And it like makes it very raw. So I would imagine that even though you've done so much work to process and heal from that since sharing, like I would imagine diving into writing about it more would is like revealing a whole new layer. You couldn't be more spot on. It was very cathartic as you can Mm -hmm. probably imagine, because the minute you acknowledge it for what it is, like let alone make it public to virtually everyone you're connected to on planet earth, it, becomes a very, very different conversation entirely because the minute you acknowledge it for what it is, similarly to what you did, is to then say, okay, I'm going to acknowledge the inherent emotions that come with that acknowledgement that Mm -hmm. this was abuse or this was assault. And now I have to deal with this pain that comes from 
the sadness, the anger, the frustration, the bitterness, the resentment, the humiliation, the guilt, the shame mm-hmm. from the experience. Now I have to be with that, deal with that, feel it in order to move through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was incredibly yeah. cathartic and I had a lot of reservations around actually turning it into a book because I was very much processing in the moment from the place of the wound. I thought that was valuable, to be honest with you. You know, we always hear in the online space that both you and I are a part of to speak from perspective and not from pain. And at the same time, that often creates a disconnect in terms of inviting people who are in pain into healing to show them the way through it, to give them inspiration that like, oh, this person is going through it. That means that I can too. There's something about that vulnerability, that level of weakness, right? What I would refer to as powerful powerlessness, Hmm. this paradox that ultimately creates that much more permission for people to serve as inspiration to step into their own healing journey and their own growth journey, because that is what ultimately leads us to living a life of purpose, like I mentioned, but living up to our full potential. We first have to work through the things that are blocking us from reaching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I would love for you to explain a bit what hypermasculinity and that mask, how do you define that? What does that mean? So hypermasculinity is simply a byproduct of what is simply referred to as the first half of life, where it is all about achievement, success, accolades, establishing an image, a status, a reputation, right? It is all about the self. Mm. What is typically referred to in psychology as the false self. Mm. So the primary question that we want answered is who do I need to be? What do I need to do? And how do I need to be perceived in order to be loved and accepted, right? By mom and dad, to be admired by my peers, and eventually later on into adulthood, successful in career Mm. and finances. Mm -hmm. But this is just, it's a mask. It is a persona, which literally means mask in Latin. It's simply a mask that we wear, that we take on as a part of our personality and amalgamation of characteristics that ultimately allow us to project this admired identity. Mm -hmm. But it's this false self that Carl Jung is very famous for popularizing back in the early 1900s. But it's not who we are authentically. It is Mm -hmm. not the full or true representation of our true self. And so we have to die to this identity, this first half of life admired identity, if we want to step into our true and authentic self. So when you think about transformation, transformation is not about getting to somewhere else. It's always Mm -hmm. a return home. Mm -hmm right back to where we have always been to who we always were we've just forgotten yeah as a result and in response to pain mhm yeah i love that and so i feel like this is such a bigger question than it than i'm not meaning it to be but okay so if someone is like yep. okay i hear what you're saying i resonate with all of that yes i've been living that way as well like yep where do you have them start like with the men that come to you with this kind of work. And I know it's a very like sure. personalized experience as well, but like, what are some of the like first places you go with them? That's a great question. 
the primary starting point for any men's work starts with the question, what have you been doing with your pain? Mm. What have you been doing with your pain? Because when we're operating from the false self, which is just this projection of who we think we need to be in order to earn love, to be admired, accepted, successful, et cetera, it's the pursuit of power, possession, and prestige. But again, those are all about the self. And in the end, always end up lacking or leave us wanting. Mm -hmm. And you probably know some people like this. They've achieved an incredible amount of external success or success on paper or what society would deem to be the definition of success. But on some inherent level deep inside, they are unhappy and unfulfilled. Yes. Because they haven't been dealing with or doing anything about their pain. Yeah. So no matter what they achieve, no matter how much they succeed in life, that is still going to be there at the end of the day. And what if, because I can imagine this happens, they're like, I don't feel pain. What do you mean? What pain? Well, here's what I would say to those people. Everyone wants to be a better version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they're actually doing something about it is a different conversation altogether. However, the people that come to me, the men that come to me, on some level, want to be a better version of themselves. So we can't just address or support them at the level of behavior because that's mm -hmm. symptomatic in nature. All of our behaviors are driven by two very fundamental things, our beliefs and our identity. That is the foundation. And so, of course, we have to start with, okay, you want to be here. You're here right now, but you want to be somewhere else, a better version of yourself, whatever that mm -hmm. looks like for you, because of course, it's very subjective. What has been getting in the way or what has been preventing you from reaching that now? Mm. So we have to start there. And what we always find is there is some fear, self-doubt, or self-limiting beliefs that are preventing them from reaching their goals or mm. reaching their goals as fast as they would like to. So, of course, we have to go inside, internal in order to determine what those things are, what those internal barriers, what those internal limiting beliefs are that are preventing them from accomplishing or achieving those things now. Mm -hmm. So it all starts with deconstruction, deconstructing the very things that are currently holding us back in life, in business, in love, in relationship, whatever area of life is most important to you. Because at the end of the day, all of this is connected, right? Our beliefs and our identity are at the foundation of everything. Mm -hmm. Every relationship that we have, whether it's with ourselves, whether it's with our business and our company, whether it's with our romantic partner, whether it's with our kids, it doesn't matter. It's the foundation of everything. And it's the lens by which we relate to everything. So we mm -hmm. have to start there. Yeah, absolutely. So shifting just slightly, but not really, because it's obviously going to be a lot of our conversation. Like, sure. how do you feel or what are your thoughts about the current cultural climate around masculinity? Well, you know, I think there's a huge debate going on right now around whether toxic masculinity is real, is a thing. Mm -hmm. And I ultimately think that it's to focus on the wrong thing. And it's okay. to answer the wrong question, in my opinion. It has us focus on an issue of lesser importance when really 
we should be asking ourselves, who is it that I need to be to be of highest contribution? Mm. Because when you tap into that question, who you are being at that point becomes the focus, right? It inherently becomes the focus. And you shift from asking, what do I want for myself to what can I contribute? Mm. And this is where we move from the self and into purpose and into living a life of service. So with masculinity, I mean, I think that our greatest strength is often an adaptation or an overcompensation to avoid dealing with pain. Yeah. So I think just as much as passivity amongst men is a major issue, often what happens when we have an issue is initially, at first, we always experience a swing to the other side of the spectrum, which is how and why we're experiencing this era of hypermasculinity, mm-hmm. where it's all about reaching some level of ideal, which is ultimately a trapping of the first half of life. Because when you fall into that, you're constantly pursuing or chasing after more. Mm -hmm. More is just a trap. Because what you're saying is that on some level, I cannot be satisfied with what I have and where I'm at now. Hmm. That being said, I think it's important to be content without being complacent. So even though passivity amongst men is incredibly damaging, hypermasculinity is arguably just as damaging. Yeah. So I think the better question is, what do I need to do to heal? What do I need to do to heal myself such that I am an integrated being, a whole being that has nothing to prove to myself or to somebody else? I'm not pushing. I'm not chasing. I'm not efforting and reaching for power, possession, and prestige, right? I'm not passive. I'm not a people pleaser. I'm not codependent. I can own my voice. I can own my power. I can speak my truth. But what do I need to do in order to heal, to be an integrated whole? Mm. This is where we embody what I would refer to as healthy masculinity. Yeah. The Incans used to say, the embodiment of the healthy masculine has his sword in one hand and his heart in the other. Hmm. The problem today is we've got a lot of men who have just swords, just swords, right? Hypermasculinity or their heart in both hands. Yes. yes. The consummate people pleaser who's prone to passivity that the divine feminine can't trust because she doesn't feel safe in his power and in his decisive decision-making. Yes. And his leadership. Yeah. I mean, you took my next question right out of my perfect but I, yeah. I would love for you to, what does like healthy, powerful masculinity look like? Yes. Heart in one hand, sword in the other. Like, can you expand upon that? Because I think that one, a lot of men are looking for that and don't really know what it looks like. There are a lot of men and especially like younger men, I would say, whether that's teens, twenties, that sort yeah. of thing, who are like looking for, and just like grabbing onto these like bro alpha podcast douchebags that are such fucking tools right and (laughs) and stuff like that but like they're looking for guidance and leadership and stuff like that and you know I think there's so much opportunity for men like you and other like grounded masculine leaders to really to support so many men out there so yeah I would love to 
for you to expand on like, okay, what does healthy masculinity really look like? Like examples. Yep. Well, I think first and foremost, we need to talk about what it doesn't look like. Yes. Because on the one hand, you have men that are people pleasing their way around their pain. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you have others who are performing and overcompensating around their pain. Mm-hmm. Both are equally damaging, just in different ways, right? Same song, different dance. So I think what healthy masculinity looks like is a man who leads with his heart, who has nothing to prove. He doesn't reach. He doesn't chase. He's not prone to overcompensate. His image in terms of you know, what he wears and the things that he has or owns, right? Possession is of significantly lesser importance than his purpose, mm-hmm. right? Purpose is what drives him, is what motivates him. Because, you know, if you believe what David Data says in his book, The Way of the Superior Man, that is the most important thing in a man's life, not his wife, not his kids, but his purpose. Mm-hmm. And it is in the constant pursuit of purpose right? Not these false trappings, power, possession, and prestige, which I keep coming back to, but the ultimate realization of his unique purpose. And because that is a lifelong journey, at least it ought to be, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We ought to spend our entire lives seeking to live up to as much of the limitless potential that we have been gifted to by God in the universe such that when we finally transition, when we finally die, whatever afterlife has in store for us, we leave this legacy of contribution, of servitude, of you know, leaving things better than we found it. Yeah, I love that. And how would you define healthy, powerful femininity or like divine feminine? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the dance, right? Because the healthy masculine and the healthy feminine is ultimately the embodiment of both Mm -hmm. and the integration of both. You don't have one that is necessarily more dominant than the other, although men typically tend to be more masculine in nature and in essence. And of course, women tend to be more feminine in nature and in essence. It has nothing to do with gender. But I think healthy expressions of both are those who can dance between the two the most. Mm-hmm. insofar that the healthy feminine, she doesn't constantly need to be leading. She doesn't need to push, although she can do those things, especially if someone like yourself who is in entrepreneurship and who runs their own business, right? On some level, you have to play that role mm-hmm. as the CEO of your company, as the boss, as a manager of other people. So you do have to play that role, but when you go home, do you continue to play that role? Because typically in my experience, the reason that any woman consistently does that is in an effort to self-protect. Is she able to surrender into her feminine, which is to simply say, is she capable of receiving, opening herself up to receiving? Can she be nurturing, loving, all of these wonderful, beautiful feminine characteristics that again, have nothing to do with gender, but much more so energy and essence. Mm -hmm. And so can she allow the man's space to step into his masculinity, into his leadership, into his decision-making, right? And feel 
empowered to do so, trusted to do so, because she has leaned into receiving and they're by virtue of giving him the space to step into his masculinity. So it's this dance, it's the integration of both that allows us to oscillate between the two, depending on the environment that we're in and the role that we're in. Yeah. That was one of my biggest lessons. Like, yes. And when I was married, saw it very much show. And I was so stuck in my masculine when I was married. And so when I actually started to learn how to harmonize the two and like heal my relationship with both the masculine and the feminine saw Mm -hmm. like more of those issues in my relationship of like, oh, I was occupying all of the masculine space. Right. Sure. But when I started to really trust, surrender, and to strengthen my feminine, heal the masculine, give the masculine a break, like things in my business got so much easier, Oh, right? Like it felt so much better. And so I'm in this beautiful place of, I think really, honestly, 2022 for me was a big year of figuring, finding that balance, you know, cause yeah, we swing one way and then the other, like, I was like, all, yep. you know, did a bunch of healing 2020 when my marriage ended and stuff like that. And then 2021, yep. I was all feminine and then wounded feminine, like no structure. <laughs> oh, no structure, all flow. Yeah. I don't feel like doing it today. Okay, then don't, you know, and yep. then finally really in 2022 found such beautiful harmony between the two mm. and it's so good. And I know too, like in the feedback in whether it's clients, peers, dating even, and stuff like that, of like that I'm leading so much more with my feminine, which is so good. But yeah, I started to see so many powerful shifts with like leaning into that. So yeah, so powerful. And like both are important, but I think people think that in entrepreneurship, like, oh, well, I have to be masculine energetically to run a successful business and more so as a woman, right? Like Men, again, you said, like, are going to lean more in their masculine. Amazing. Women more in their feminine. But like, for us women, I'm like, no, when we like allow our feminine to lead, especially in our business, like, it's like creates a lot of magic for us. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because if you ever have two people who are in a relationship who are simultaneously operating, especially predominantly in their masculine, what's going to happen? They're going to constantly be butting heads because they're both going to be grasping at the reins of decision-making, of Mm -hmm. leading the relationship. And it ends up creating this tension and this conflict that creates breakdowns. Yeah. And so it's when both people are able to consciously and intentionally surrender, lead, it creates this beautiful harmony and balance in the relationship. Even if you have one partner who is more dominant in particular energy. Mm Mm-hmm whether that's the man and the masculine, the woman and the feminine, et cetera. Yeah. So on that, I would love to talk a bit more about like male, female, men, women dynamics and stuff like that. So like from the male perspective, and obviously mm-hmm. you're in a relationship, but I imagine you work with a lot of men and chat with a lot of men who are seeking a relationship, wanting a relationship, dating, mm-hmm. all of that, and even in relationships too. But like, what are some of the biggest struggles that men have these days with dating and relationships, whether it's from that masculine, feminine energy perspective and Honestly, being emotionally available for one, Mm. because they're still operating in this posture of proving and overcompensating Mm -hmm. that in many, I would argue most cases has them very disconnected from being able to access and feel their emotions, which in so many ways is necessary for the feminine to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Can I soften into his masculine leadership? Not because he's this 
incredibly strong alpha, assertive, driven, et cetera. Although not that there's anything inherently wrong with that. It's just a matter Mm of harmony and balance, like you mentioned. But can I trust him to be able to hold me in the space of my emotions? Because if Mm -hmm. he can't do that within himself, how the hell is he going to be able to do that for me? So with that, I love that. And I agree, right? Like women definitely like, oh, I want to feel safe, like emotionally and all of that in order to surrender, be vulnerable. And my preference in a relationship is like masculine, take the lead, that sort of thing, like assertive, very embodied in his masculine energy. And I also think that as the woman, I get to kind of be the leader with the heart and soul emotion stuff, right? Totally. Because I know men too can feel so much resistance with tapping into that Mm -hmm. because like feeling like it's weakness or whatever. So how does a woman then Mm -hmm. create safety for the man, right? Like how would Mm -hmm. a woman create that safe space, like on her end for a man to feel comfortable? Yep. Well, I think it's so much of it comes down to communication Mm -hmm. and effectively being able to communicate one's intention for women who are desiring more of emotional openness or vulnerability from their partner, right? The way in which you communicate it is everything because a man who hasn't done his inner work is very, very likely to take that personally. Yeah. To make it about himself as if he's not doing enough, he's not being enough. So it's going to make him feel inferior and it's going to probably have him shut down and pull back. So Rather than making it about him necessarily, you have to invite him into a bigger vision for the relationship and what you ultimately Mm. want to experience in the partnership. So not making it about him necessarily. So using words like we and us and Mm. what I want for us is or what I desire for us is to go deeper into intimacy and connection, Mm -hmm. to explore the depths of sensuality, sexuality, emotional vulnerability, and how that opens us up even further to those things and to deepen into intimacy. I can't imagine a guy who's not going to be a hell yes to that. Mm. But if you make it about him, he's likely going to take it personally, like I mentioned, and it's not going to be received the right way. Mm. And so I think a lot of it comes down to communication. A lot of it comes down to vision. Like, What is the outcome that you desire ultimately from him showing up in that way Mm -hmm. and making it more about the end result than about what he needs to do differently. Yeah. Because the minute you make it more about the end result, of course, what are they going to ask you? How do we do that? How do we get there? I'm in. How do we get there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tapping into vision, all of that, because there's that fine line of like inviting a man like on the journey with you and the vision that you see and then being like that almost like mothering correcting energy which is gonna fucking kill polarity not be good yeah (laughs) Yeah. absolutely yeah so it's much more so about the vision that you have for the relationship and for you as a unit as a couple then it does about and this goes both ways of course Mm -hmm. about pointing out what you want more from the person. And I think there is a time and a place for that when it comes to making specific requests, but also sharing, you know, in the world of transformation, like what you can count on from me is, so you're Mm -hmm. an active participant in that conversation where you're not just asking something from your partner, 
you're also simultaneously offering something to your partner as well. So there's not this divisiveness that can potentially occur where the other person makes it only about what they're doing wrong or receives it in a way that makes them feel inferior. Yeah, absolutely. That's super helpful. It's a dance, like we've already said, with the masculine and feminine and even in communication and everything. What are some of your like pet peeves or things that you're seeing like in the personal development space or even the like Mm -hmm. men's work space that you're just like, ooh, this trend or this thing, like not helpful Mm -hmm. and not necessarily in the like toxic masculinity, whatever that that direction, but even in more of the like mindful space Mm -hmm. that you maybe aren't aligned with. Oh man. I think there is an incredible amount of reconstruction without deconstruction. Okay. Like I mentioned in the beginning, the first question that all men's work starts with is what have you been doing with your pain? That is deconstructive in nature, insofar that we have to ultimately uncover, determine, heal, and break through what is currently holding you back before we can step into optimizing and improving. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there is a both and in this that if you have some toxic patterns, you know, or unhealthy habits that you're currently engaging in, well, then of course you probably want to address those simultaneously. But the problem that I see most often are men's coaches who immediately guide their clients into optimizing and improving the different areas of their life without addressing why aren't those things working to begin with? Yeah. Right. What's the disease? Right. Because again, the behaviors are just the symptoms. So if we really want to heal this long term, and I'm sure you've seen this with your clients who come to your PR agency and you support them in, you know, maybe making more money, gaining more visibility, right? Building a larger audience, having a bigger impact. A part of that is, okay, they make more money. Right. But there's this old saying that money doesn't change people. It just reveals Mm -hmm. who they already are. Mm-hmm. So if you have a bad relationship with yourself and you put a lot more money on top of it, what's going to happen? Yeah. It's just going to further accentuate what's not working. Mm-hmm. And not that of course is the role of a PR person to support anyone in that particular way. But when it comes to the world of personal development, which is kind of how you started off the question, is too many people, too many coaches or programs are immediately supporting people in, and they're not necessarily doing this intentionally but they're supporting their clients in bypassing their pain. Mm. Any coach or personal development program that is worth anything at all is going to guide you directly into your problems where your ego does not want to go. The new always demands the death of the old, of the familiar, Mm. which is where the ego hides so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have to go there first. Yeah. Not just like add all this stuff or like, oh, let's, like do another plant medicine ceremony or do another this or do another this, go to another retreat, yep. do this, do this, do this, do this. It's like, okay. Right. And cause yeah, cause I do a lot totally. of like in my PR business, you know, we definitely do some mindset stuff and things like that, sure. but obviously do a ton of that in my coaching business. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Sure. There will be activities and doing that comes right. and mm-hmm. that's going to be important, but like what's underneath what's inside there. We got to take a look. Yeah. What's driving this? What is behind this? What's at the root of this? Yes. If you want to achieve any type of sustainable success, that's what it's all about, right? At the end of the day, because if your success is on some level built on 
self-sacrifice, it's built on a lie. Mm -hmm. So if you are suffering in other areas of your life, let's say within your health or within your relationship to further bolster your success, it is literally built on a lie. The foundation is cracked. That success is ultimately not sustainable because it's taking from other areas of your life, which is why my goal with clients is always going to be holistic health. But too many people want to run to biohacking and improving their morning routine and adopting healthy habits, but at the cost of diving into their problems and their pain. Any coach that's worth their salt is going to guide their clients directly into their problems, not around them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. A hundred percent. So I know we're coming up on time here, but I want to dive you. You have two posts that you've shared kind of recently that I would love to explore a little bit more. So one of them, you have a quote on your Instagram that says, the life that you've created is too small for what your soul is begging to become. Mm-hmm. That's so juicy. Can you, let's expand on that. Oh man. I mean, like I mentioned before, the new always demands the death of the familiar. And so we have to be and become a different person if we hope to reach our full potential, right? But most people think that we achieve our way to our full potential when in reality, we die our way there. Mm. Because transformation is ultimately about unbecoming. Yes. It's not about becoming anything else. It's about remembering and becoming more of who you already are. That's what transformation is fundamentally about. We make it about achieving this ideal that is somewhere else off into the future. And that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. It was always meant to be about this return home and this fundamental realization that I am already where I wanted to get to. I just forgot. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that desire is expansion seeking to express itself. Everybody wants more for themselves. Everybody wants more for themselves. Everybody wants to be a better version of themselves. And I want to be clear, I'm not making that wrong necessarily. I'm just I'm just pointing out that too many people do so yeah. as a means to bypass and avoid. Right. But I think that that is God is is nature, is the universe's way of beckoning to us or calling us into higher levels of our limitless potential. Yeah. And it ultimately comes down to whether or not we are willing to listen to that call, that beckoning to step in and step up and reach our next level, which comes with a certain amount of dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what you said, touched on a little bit there, like chasing constant growth can be bypassing as well, right? Like totally. It's also, can get so tricky. Right. It can be very circular, but you've probably experienced this yourself where, you know, you've had several ego deaths, right? And you know, who you are today is not who you were a year ago and who you were Mm -hmm. a year ago is not who you were two years before that. It's this constant evolution. But what I find so many people end up coming to an all too familiar place, which is this, and that is less is more. Mm. That's like the theme of my 2023, like simplify. Yep. Simplify, 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 simplify. In my business, in my life, like Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yep. Less is more. And so we find ourselves letting go naturally of 
these goals that we once had that we now realize and awaken to the reality that we're predominantly driven by the ego for whatever reason, whether it was to prove ourselves to someone else, to ourselves, mm-hmm. or it was to achieve some type of ideal that we bought into would ultimately make us happy, but that ultimately cost us happiness in the present. And so whenever I see people do this work, it is they always pretty much arrive at a familiar place, which is less is more. Purpose is more important than profits, right? The focus is not on success because the paradox with chasing after happiness, chasing after success is the more that we chase it, the more it eludes us. Yeah. Well, and with that too, like when you simplify and get so laser focused on the purpose and what brings you fulfillment and have those blinders on and you feel so much more whole, like that's when so much, like a lot more money comes in anyhow, (laughs) right? Like Totally. And the more important question becomes not how much money am I making or what type of opportunities am I attracting, but how do I feel when I'm doing nothing? Mm-hmm. How do I feel when I'm relaxing, simply being present in this moment, embracing what is, surrendering to what is, however uncomfortable, regardless of the emotion, because to feel any emotion fully felt is bliss. Mm. And so to enjoy that, to soak and revel in that is, I think, where we find true happiness. It's not in the accumulation of more things. Right. Yeah, exactly. I had a podcast interview this morning, actually. I was being interviewed and I was asked, okay, how do you know when you're making progress and you're healing and stuff like that? And one of my answers was like, oh, just like what my baseline feels like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like how stressed am I or not stressed? Totally. What emotions am I feeling more of? Right. Yeah. And do they feel good most of the time? Like, right. What's the predominant energy that's alive in my body? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. what good is it if you, you know, gain the whole world, but lose your soul? Right. So one more question, then we'll kind of wrap up here, but you also posted on social, the bigger, the dream, the bigger, the shadow. I'm like, totally. Oh, do I agree? Like, I haven't necessarily thought of it that way. Tell me more. <laughs> well, everything in the universe has an opposite everything. So the bigger the ambition, the bigger Mm -hmm. the shadow. Now that's not to say that the ambition is self-serving inherently. It can absolutely be very purpose driven in the effort to serve and support as many people as possible. And it can also serve as a massive ego trip Mm -hmm. because what we see all too often is the popularity that can come, the position that can come, the opportunity that can come from achieving that massive ambition is that becomes more of the focal point, Mm -hmm. the popularity, the opportunity, right? The financial abundance that becomes more of the focal point and a shift occurs. It no longer becomes about achieving the ambition for the sake of impact, for the sake of service, it more so becomes about further bolstering the self Mm. and my position. So that's what I mean by that when I say 
the bigger the ambition, the larger the shadow, the bigger the dream, the bigger the shadow. Yeah. The more room the ego has to come in and take hold of our attention. Yeah. And I see that too, like my own life and journey and stuff like that and feeling clear on what my purpose is here and being like, oh yeah. So I've like, definitely like I've gone through a lot of shit to get there and Mm -hmm. to like learn the lessons and things that I needed to learn in order to support people with that mission. Right. So, yeah. Yep. It's just like fame. The more fame we experience, the more prone we are to get addicted to it. Mm. The more money we end up earning, the more we end up wanting. That's the shadow. Yeah. Not that more money is bad inherently. It's not. Not that the desire for more money is bad. It's not. It's just that what is the potential fallout, the opposite of whatever's driving that desire, right? Because the shadow Mm -hmm. is always there. It's never going to go away. It's simply about maintaining control over it and mastery of it Mm -hmm. and not allowing that to become the focus, not allowing that to become the drive beneath the ambition. Right? It's to continue to maintain one's humility, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to the five promises of male initiation, right? which is life is hard. You are not in control. You are not that important. Life is not about you and you're going to die. Yeah. There's no room for the self in any of that. It's powerful. I haven't heard that before. No, you have. <laughs> I like it. I know. I like it. All right. Woo. On that note. Okay. We're going to have our little like, housekeeping questions to wrap us up all right i feel like i could keep going this is so fun i know that like oh i am sure like everyone listening obviously we're recording right now but i'm sure everyone listening is getting so much out of this this is awesome okay so first things first like where can everybody find you where can everyone get the book and plug into you yes absolutely so the best place to connect and interact with me personally is via my instagram which is i am jake kaufman you can go to my website for updates and announcements around the book, jacobkaufman.com slash ebook, which is where you'll be able to pre-order the Kindle digital version of the book starting this coming Monday, April 3rd through Monday, April 24th. After that, you'll be able to buy a physical hard copy of the book on Amazon, which would be awesome. Did I forget anything? And we'll put these links in the show notes, I'm assuming. Yes. yes. Awesome. Yeah. But you can find all that information on my Instagram. Perfect. And then closing question. So this show is called Amplify and it's all about supporting people in living as the most aligned, authentic, abundant, and fully expressed version of themselves. So I'd love like one mic drop takeaway, like key juicy nugget to leave everybody with, whether it's a quote you love, question to ask themselves, just word of wisdom, final thing to help people really like living their most amplified Mm -hmm. life. If my greatest strength is a compensating strategy, what is my greatest strength for? And be with that, sit with that, see what comes up. That's a good one to end on. Jake, thank you so much for joining us and can't wait to check out the book. Yeah, thank you very much, Lauren. Appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. 
And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the world needs more of your magic. Yeah.